This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome to Golf Talk Canada, part of our year in review series. And today we're looking at men's major golf. We're going to include Olympic golf, Ryder Cup. We'll do some winners weird and what, as well as predictions for 2022. Zakino Weeks, Scully. Uh, amazing to me before we even jump into this, guys. If I had said to you, uh, we were going to go another year without multiple major winners this season. Uh, this is the post-Tiger era, right, Bob? We just spread them out. Everybody gets a participation award, and uh, off you go, right? <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch of people who are very talented and who are trying to win major championships out there. So I think what we're seeing now is uh, the second generation of uh, Tiger kids, if you will, people who grew up watching Tiger, loving Tiger, and now they're performing at the world-class level. We saw that a little bit last year. And I expect we'll see that in the next few years going forward as well. Yeah, before we jump into this chronologically, because we'll start with the Masters, I'm going to ask you both a question right off the top. Adam, we'll come to you first. More, surpri more surprised in 2021 that DJ doesn't win a major or that Rory doesn't win a major? Uh, for me, Dustin Johnson, for sure. I mean, as we spoke about uh, last time, last year around this time, how Dustin Johnson's coming off that Masters victory, coming off that dominant FedEx Cup run, you think, hey, 2022 is just going to be a dream year for Dustin Johnson. What's he do? Misses the cut, defending his title at Augusta National last April. And a sort of MIA, only one top 10 in the major championships in 2021. So he was more surprising for me. I think Rory has, uh, you know, looking at for 2022, too. Rory is a good, maybe a better chance, but I was more surprised Dustin Johnson didn't uh, win a major in 2021. Bob, is it DJ for you as well? And if it's not Rory, am I forgetting somebody? Like, let's not forget that Bryson DeChambeau was going to dominate the universe and he didn't win a major this year <laughs> either. So should I had should I had his name in that question as well, Bob? Um, I don't know. I think I guess you could, but I think I think to me DJ was the bigger, as Adam said, was the bigger mystery. I, I expected after he won that second major, after having so many close calls over the years and finally getting a major at the U.S. Open and then getting his second, I thought, okay, this is going to just unlock the door. And remember, he had a stretch um, sort of a year ago where he was just owning golf, never seemed to, to miss a shot. And he, he really called it some of the best golf he's ever played. And I kind of thought that would uh, show itself again at one, two, maybe three majors. Maybe he wasn't win them, but certainly – the performance that he had overall was pretty lackluster. So that was surprising. I think Rory, I don't know. I don't want to say we expected it, but it's not as big a surprise, I guess is the best way to put it. All right, let's take a look at Augusta, guys. We'll start with the year that was in majors with Augusta National. Hideki Matsuyama, all of a sudden becoming a closer, all of a sudden making some key putts when he needed to. Uh, a 73 on Sunday, he ends up uh, winning one shot, shy of will zalatoris i bet if you were to ask 10 avid golf fans who finished second at this year's masters you would not get will zalatoris one off the pace at nine under spieth all he does is play well at augusta shoffley they come in a tie for third at seven under and rounding out the top five uh Rahm and leishman 
uh, tied at six under. John Rahm playing well at Augusta one, uh, once again, a four off the pace. Matsuyama, all of a sudden a closer. Again, though, 73. But I'm going to say it, guys. I'm going to say it. And it's shocking because, you know, nothing's better than Sunday at Augusta. It's one of our favorite. It might be our favorite day of the year in terms of golf viewing, what we do for a living, etc. But for the second year in a row, in 2020 and 2021, the Masters was my least favorite major. I thought it lacked drama. It lacked a lot of things. Uh, the final scene of Hideki Matsuyama's caddy bowing on the 72nd green will certainly be one of my favorite images of the year, hands down, alongside with Phil at the PGA, which we will get into later on in the show. But with the exception of that, Bob, I don't know. It's a, it again finishes fourth. Where did it rank for you? And what will you remember this year's Masters for? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a yawner. I mean, it really wasn't the Sunday that we like to see with so many people in contention. It got, you know, one little brief surge when Shoffley made the, got to 10 under and, uh, and then Matsuyama bogeyed to go to 11. There was a one-shot swing there, but it didn't last very long. <laughs> we know what Shoffley did on 16. So it wasn't, it was a really cool story that, that, that Matsuyama won that a, a, a Japanese golfer, male golfer, won a major. Uh, so there was a lot of neat things that happened. But as far as excitement on Sunday afternoon, it was, you know, I was uh, almost asleep on the set. Well, not quite, but <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I was working. But, oh, um, <laughs> but it, wasn't, it wasn't the thriller that we've seen. And the, the last two really haven't been thrillers. The one in November, the Dustin one. So we're, due, we're overdue for a thriller. Is part of the problem with our Sunday guys, uh, Adam, we'll start with you and Bob, I'll come back to you with this one as well. But Adam, I want to know what you'll remember where you rank this major in terms of, you know, compared to the other major golf events of the year. Because for me, it's, it is it is fourth again in men's majors. But it's part of the problem for us as Canadians that we saw, you know, Corey Connors shoot 69 on Friday, 68 on Saturday, and then 74 on Sunday. And, you know, he ends up uh, six off the pace. But, you know, if, if that 74 turns into something with a six in front of it, this is a different Sunday for Canada, isn't it? This is a celebratory Sunday, if that's the case for, for Corey Connors. But I mean, for, yeah, I, I would agree with you that this was my least favorite major in terms of entertainment. I mean, arguably, arguably you could say Matsuyama really won this Masters the Saturday after that rain delay, when the green speeds were, you know, two and three feet slower. Guys were leaving putts above the hole short all day. You know, on 13 guys were three putting left, right, and center, just leaving putts short. And Matsuyama won with clutch putting down the stretch, which we've never seen before. Bobby mentioned Xander Shoffley that for a brief moment, uh, he was only one shot off the pace when he was on the front nine that day, his odds to win the tournament were 45 to one. Uh, if you're you know, talking about TSN edge, that sort of thing. But then of course he flushed it quote unquote on 16, where he actually did flush it into the water, making triple bogey. I would say this is my least favorite major as well. Uh, I, one thing I noticed watching it on TV, and I, Mark, I think we were texting about this too, was just how firm the golf course looked. It looked, it was more Brown, I guess, in, in certain spots, maybe just from the difference looking at November when we'd never really seen it on TV before, just the comparisons that way. What did you guys, Mark, what did you think of the course? setup uh, this time yeah, around i thought so too and i think uh bob will probably echo this i think that was tournament committee and they always get it right at augusta but at the end of the day in november there was really nothing they can do that time mm -hmm. of year 
uh, regardless of the rain in the area or lack of November's November, the, you know, the different grasses are going through the ground is soft. It's moist. Uh, you know, the leaves have fallen. It's it, there. You, you can only do so much with the sub air system to get it even close to the replica of what you would have gotten in, in spring. And Bob, I think that was a pushback to let it get a little brown uh, to get a little firm and say, hey, guys, don't forget, we can have the winner. We can have only one person in double digits in this golf tournament if we feel like it. And that's what they did. Right, Bob? Yeah, I think so. And I mean, the weather that week was was dry. Uh, the, it was, there was not a lot of rain that week either. So they didn't really need to um, have them at full blast. It was Mother Nature was helping in a lot of ways. But I, I, I think so, too. And I think I think to a certain extent, a lot of these championship golf courses, Augusta National, the old course, you know, are, are taking a, a little bit nervous about what these guys can do and how much they can do to protect stupid low scores. Um, so I think they wanted to show their show their medal and just say, look, um, yeah, if you guys if you guys want a test, we'll give you a test. All right. Two things before we put a bow on this year's green jacket uh, to back up Adam's point about, you know, Hideki and his putting, you know, on the Saturday when everybody else was struggling. Hideki Matsuyama had 1.39 putts per green, which led the field in Saturday in putting. Uh, he was fourth overall in putting for the week, just absolutely exceptional. So uh, at the end of the day, Hideki did do it with the flat stick and played quite well. Um, you brought up the distance, Bob, and I say this time and time again, I'm not suggesting we rip the rules off the game. And I'm not suggesting that uh, I want to see the golf ball go another 30 yards farther. But I'm not a big guy of going, put, trying to put the horses back in the barn. I'm not a big fan of the new driver uh, rule change of 48 inches to 46 inches. I like ceilings. I don't like going in reverse. Here we are, Augusta National. We had one player, 10 under par. If you set it up differently for the best players in the world, then you set it up for Bob, Adam, and Mark. There isn't a distance problem. Adam, is this not proof in the pudding? Totally. Yeah, exactly. 100%. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it's, you can set up that course in so many different ways. You know, look at the greens alone. If you put a pin in a certain spot, like generally, you know, Friday, I, I find might be the, the toughest pin location. Sometimes on Sunday, they move it around on the front nine. But if you put pins in certain spots, whether you're 40 yards out or you're 140 yards out, you just can't get close to pins with, with core setup. So Augusta National always does it right. I already can't wait till the Masters next year to see what, what's in store for that. And Bob, we're always obsessed with par. If we just forget about par a lot of times and we play a lot more par 70s, this, in a way, this problem kind of goes away on its own. I've always said that, you know, for, for most people, they don't remember what the winning score was at the Masters, who was how much they were under par. I bet if you went into your golf club uh, tomorrow and you said, okay, what did Hideki, you know, what was Hideki to par? Most of them don't, don't know or they don't remember unless they're jogged. I, I think it's more important to, uh, to get an exciting tournament, to get a really well-played tournament. And, you know, it, there, Hideki just simply played the best. And, and as you said, he putted the best. So he deserves to win. And Hideki would go on to really have a career year in, in a sense, not just grabbing his first major, one stroke away from meddling at the Olympics in Japan and winning a PGA Tour event on Japanese soil for Hideki Matsuyama. Speaking of historic, on the other side, we're going to talk about if it wasn't the best major of the year, which is debatable, it was certainly the most historic 
major of the year. And in 20 years, it will be the one that we will look back to and say in 2021, uh, that was the one that mattered. We'll get into it next. Kiowa Island and its lefty at the PGA Championship. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade. Try the all-new Tour Response, a tour-quality urethane ball that doesn't cost as much as a ball played on tour, only from TaylorMade. Visit taylormadegolf.ca to learn more. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com the smartest way to shop for golf. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our men's major recap special. The year that was, we're also going to talk uh, Olympic golf. We'll talk a little Ryder Cup. Uh, just, a, just the U.S. just running over Europe. I think we all kind of anticipated that, but not to that extent. Uh, winners, we're going to what coming up an hour or two, but we're doing this chronologically in terms of majors. Uh, for me, uh, the PGA Championship was uh, my favorite major of the year. I know we all kind of had different majors that we love the best. I'm a huge Phil Mickelson fan. So I, I think the shock of this win to all of us was I just came from left field. It was certainly one of the most, oh, my God, moments of the year. Um, Adam, for me, this also just represented uh, the end of a lot of things we've been waiting for the end. I'm not suggesting we're 100% out of the woods in a pandemic or the world's completely back to normal. In fact, it might not be completely back to normal ever in our lifetime, for all we know, from what's transpired in the last 18 months in the world and in, and in Canada. But for me, this PGA Championship was symbolic of at least coming out the other side, of better things to come, people gathering again, the, the, the view on the 72nd hole, the people's champion getting it done. Phil Mickelson, six under par. He gets it done over Louis Houston and Brooks Kepka at four under the PGA Championship. My favorite major of the year, historically becoming the oldest major champion in PGA Tour history. Uh, how big was this for you? And was it your favorite major of the year? Yeah, I've been back and forth between this and the U.S. Open. You look at the U.S. Open, you know, the top five players in the world all legitimately had a chance to win. But now looking back in reflection many months uh, from that now, I think this has to be my favorite major of the year. When you think of, like, if, if any of us had picked Phil Mickelson on our TSN Edge picks prior to that week, people would have thought we were crazy. We were nuts. I mean, he had no form coming in a couple of weeks prior. He, he was saying how he needed to fix his mental game and really had to learn how to dial in uh, what was going on in between the years um, and Phil Mickelson went out and even after he got off to a good start even after being near or close to the lead after 36 holes you think come on he's he's gonna blow up here at some point but he never did and you know that short game down the stretch one moment for me 71st hole he's got about a three foot putt he switches his putter grip to the claw you think how on earth is he thinking about this now and later he spoke on twitter about why he did that but this was definitely my favorite major of the year bob it's unbelievable we got to cheer for the old guys right 52 years old he's bombing <laughs> it past guys that are 20 years younger than he is uh we're all waiting for some type of collapse some type of where you know 50 two-year-old nerves kick in uh again to adam's point on 17 it could have happened there you know uh he plays the soft uh smart shot onto the 17th green away from the hole i mean if phil mickelson 
thought the way he thought his way around Keough Island at age 52, if he had a thought like that at age 32, the guy'd have 10 majors. Right. I mean, it's so, it's so true. Um, you know, there's, there was a really, it was a really impressive performance by Phil because of what's Phil. I look back at some of the stats that, that I found, I mean, almost laughable in some of the respects strokes gained T to green. He ranked first in the field. Driving accuracy tied for 101st. I mean, those two numbers, those two things don't really go together that well. I'm trying to figure it out, but that's, that's Phil on the other side. However, if you took Phil Mickelson and swapped him out with, for argument's sake, Lanto Griffin, would this have been a memorable PGA championship? Not really. It wasn't close really. You know, it came down. There were times during the last round when it came down and it was, a little bit, but it was right what you said. It's, it was the coronation. It was the fact of who it was rather than what he was doing. Uh, how he was doing it was important, but I think having Phil Mickelson as a PGA champion is uh, a dream come true for the PGA of America to see this because because people remember this tournament for what he did and how he did it. It's, it was an impressive performance for sure. I think part of the thing that we need to uh, address too, and it sounds funny, but I mean, his enjoyment and his reign as PGA champion has been epic. I mean, you know, he goes out and shoots 80 and walks up to the uh, mic at a, at a press conference on the PGA Tour and goes, yeah, I, I won the PGA championship, right? I mean, like, he just had so much fun with it. He's just been, uh, it's just been incredible. And who knows? I wonder how much, in my mind, the three players that come to mind with this rule change that it might affect the most, and I'm curious uh bob if i were to say to you 48 inches going to 46 affects who more phil mickelson bryson dechambeau brooke henderson other who do you take oh man probably that's a good question i don't know it affects them all but might be brooke henderson to be honest with you just because I don't know how she's going to hold choke down on a 46 inch club and get the distance she gets. The other two guys will, will adapt and have never not always used 48 inch drivers. Right. Um, which is Brooke has done it from day one, but you're right. It's uh, it's an interesting concept. It'll be interesting to see how they both adjust if they need to, how much they need to adjust, what, how it affects their games. Um, but I, I think if you look back at the PGA championship, yeah, driver was was an important club for phil but it may not have been the most important club i think uh, i think that putter was was pretty magical out there agreed agreed adam for you phil bryson brooke or other 48 uh, my anticipation for brooke i haven't spoken to anyone my anticipation is that brooke will start uh leading on some people i uh club manufacturer would be ping for brooke henderson so mm-hmm. i'm assuming she's talking to them about counterbalanced shafts and grips and things that are used in putter technology that have now been introduced into driver technology in the last year or so i've got to assume that she's going to start you know tinkering with some of those things to uh, give this sensation that maybe there's a little bit more happening up in the handle for her i don't know that as a fact but to Bob's point, if she's choking down on a 46, she's going to be playing a 44 now. And now she's theoretically choking on a 48, turning it into a 46. Mm-hmm. So is she the obvious choice here? Is it Phil's, uh, is it Bryson or is it other? 
Yeah, I, I still think it's it's Brooke Henderson as well, because as Bob mentioned, she's really used this length of driver her entire life. You remember back at the November Masters last year when Bryson DeChambeau sort of, he was trying the 48-inch driver. And then the night before, you know what? Enough with that. I'm going back to my other driver. And then what he was snapping it left the entire uh, tournament. But for Phil Mickelson too, I'm curious where he goes from here. Of course, he won that PGA Championship using that sort of two-wood a lot where it wasn't, I mean, he had a couple of bombs, of course, Phil being Phil, but he was hitting a lot more. I mean, I know his numbers weren't outstanding, but he was hitting more fairways for Phil uh, with the, the two wood in play. So I, I think it, it affects Brooke Henderson the most of those options, but I, I am curious uh, how this does transpire here coming into the next year. I agree with you guys as well. I think it's Brooke and I, I'm kind of with you as well. And Bob is at the end of the day, Phil Mickelson won this championship inside 50 yards and mainly with the putter. And uh, he's still a brilliant ball striker. Uh, to close the door on the PGA, uh, Phil Mickelson, six under par. Louis Ustazen and Brooks Kepka at four under, two off the pace. Harry Higgs at two under alongside. Patrick Harry did and Shane Lowry, a couple Irishmen in there at two under with Paul Casey uh, rounding out the top five. Ricky Fowler with an appearance there. And look who has another top 10 at a major, guys. Will Zalatoris. <laughs> two majors in a row. Second, and then a T8. Well done, Will Zalatoris. Uh, two things before we close the door on the PGA, guys. Uh, Louis Ustazen's name is going to come up again. Is this a, a an over par or an under par year for Louis Ustazen? I want to go over par, under par there. And before I get your answers for that, I just want to say this. You know, Bob and I grew up in an era covering this game and watching this game where Pete Dye got abused by PGA Tour players. Pete Dye got abused by the, you know, the brain trust of the world of golf. And here we are in 2021 and Keo Island was one of the great stars of the season and whistling straights at the Ryder cup was a great star of the season. And at the, uh, the, the, the old Bob hope in the desert T, uh, TPC stadium course is back in the rotation. And now we celebrate sawgrass every year for the players championship. I just want to say Pete Dye, just a genius, 30 years ahead of his time. And the problem wasn't Pete Dye. The problem is the world wasn't ready for Pete Dye. And I think Keough Island was the first glimpse of that this year. So over par, under par, Bob, Louis Ustazen, major season. Where are we going for 20 years? This glimpse. It's got to be over par. And I only say that because he has had so many second place finishes so far that I don't think he counts those this great anymore, you know, like an, after you've had, after you've won the silver slam, you need to win some golds and, uh, and he's got to get, uh, get a few more on his mantle. Uh, I mean, it's gotta be so frustrating to come so close so many times. I'm over par with him too. And I'm, I'm going to add a layer to this. I'm over par to him to the, with the point of is now there too much scar tissue for him to be in the mix in 22, or is he still on our radar? Adam over par under par. I, I'm the same. It have to be over par, you know, as we'll get to a little later at the U S open, that 71st hole hitting it way left sort of ending his chances there. And I mean, he had the lead at the open championship as well. He was close to leave the PGA championship. Could it get it done? Will he get the silver slam twice over? Will we see another social media video of, of Louie lip syncing to Adele like he did the first time around? That's what I'm more curious to see, but yeah, over par for me for sure. Well, speaking of that, Adam, we're going to do it next. On the other side, we will take a trip to the West Coast to a muni, just a little muni by the ocean. Tory Pines, another star of the show, another big brute of a golf course. And John Rahm, 
karma comes back around for Rom at the U.S. Open. We'll do it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our men's major review of the season that was. We're doing it chronologically. We went through Augusta. We went through the historic win by Lefty at the PGA. And it's funny because, you know, all of a sudden Mickelson was on our radar when we got to Torrey Pines because it was like, oh, hold on a second. Is there a career Grand Slam possibility? This guy just won at Kiowa and he was all the confidence in the world. It obviously doesn't go that way. It goes John Rahm's way. Uh, 67, a brilliant finish. Bob, was this the most exciting men's major of the year? Hands down. To me, this was uh, this was thrilling. Uh, this had a lot of intrigue into it. it had a lot of different players of, of all sorts of calibers. You had a whole bunch of big names coming down on Sunday, chasing a pack of... Uh, you know, guys who are a little less familiar with being there, let's say. So, uh, including Mackenzie Hughes. But uh, but I think this was the most entertaining one to watch because you didn't know it was over until the last putt was uh, was put into the cup. Yeah, and, I, you know, that's one of the most amazing things, Adam. I'll even remember of this. Obviously, John Rahm's uh, big putts at 17 and 18 coming down the stretch are epic. Uh, probably the best finish of the year. Uh, some of the bombs that Mackenzie Hughes made on Saturday. I know Mackenzie's starting to get known for... You know, if you want something made outside 30 feet, you might want to tap Mackenzie Hughes on the shoulder for sure. But to do it on these greens, I, I think, it, you know, we, yeah, we crap on West Coast greens quite a bit. There's a reason for that. These things are broccoli by about one o'clock every day. I don't care what time of year. I don't care how good of greens they are now compared to where they were 10 years ago. You to make these putts on these greens in these situations, for me, it was the second most shocking thing about this golf tournament, the quality of putting out. Yeah, for sure. We saw putts made left, right, and center. Of course, those two putts that John Rahm made on Sunday, both left to right putts uh, on the 71st and 72nd hole. Uh, one thing that I'll, I'll always look back on this tournament you know, is the maturity of John Rahm and how that has evolved. Of course, earlier this year, he became a father, maybe putting things into perspective for him a little more, did well at the Masters, sort of a backdoor top 10 finish there after a slow start, after the birth of his child, what, five or six days before the green jacket was handed out, did well the PGA Championship as well, but was never really in the mix. But then you get to the US Open here where patience, you need to be patient, and he didn't have his best stuff for the first, you know, uh, three days. But then he goes out, stays patient, doesn't get too frustrated. In the past, we've seen him slam clubs or throw balls or do crazy, th crazy stuff. But this is a guy who stayed in the moment. He even talked after in your interview with him, Bob, about how he just felt like it was destiny that he was going to do this after what transpired at the memorial two weeks previous. I, this really signified the maturity of John Rahm and almost started, quote unquote, the summer of Rombo, so to speak. He was playing consistent golf all summer long. But yeah, I'll always remember this U.S. Open for the maturity or the evolution of John Rahm. I'll always remember it for my only accurate major prediction for the last two years. So, <laughs> <laughs> so John Rahm getting it done. You're right, uh, Adam. For me, it's maturity. Now, I mentioned about the putting uh, as being 
the quality of putting as being the second most shocking thing. Bryson DeChambeau <laughs> shot 33 guys on the front nine on Sunday and was going to be a two-time U.S. Open champion. And Bryson DeChambeau shot 44 coming home at Torrey Pines. 44, highlighted by a double bogey at 13, and he lands the quad. He, Brian Boitano's it at 17, an eight at the 17th, coming home in 44. Bob, is this the worst nine holes of golf of the year? Is this the greatest implosion of golf seen all year? A 77 on a Sunday where you had one hand on the trophy. The only thing worse than Bryson shooting nine holes on that, or shooting 44 for that nine holes, was listening to him try to explain it and saying it was nothing, none of it was his fault. You know, it was just all bad breaks. That's golf. That's what he said. I mean, you know, I, I, I was out there walking around mostly with Matt Hughes, who was in the final group, but we dropped back here and there and you watch Bryson and some of the shots he hit were, um, were atrocious. They really were just not fitting for a guy who had, a was in the hunt for the U S open and a guy who just shot, as you said, 33, it was the strangest, uh, breakdown i guess i've ever seen i think of a guy over two nines in a major championship adam the worst implosion of the season it's got to be up there i'm trying to think of another one but i i would say definitely you know shooting 44 on the back nine you know with the leader co-lead at a major championship not great of course he hosled a couple chips he hit a chip into a can of or a box of beer which was uh, quite something on the 13th hole at i left Park. it there sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah the yeah. only thing that would have been better if, the, if that beer wasn't budweiser and it was michelob ultra that yeah. oh my been. goodness <laughs> that, that would have been that would have broke social media we've seen a lot of things break social media in the past couple of weeks that would have been up there i think for sure <laughs> but no I'm for sure yeah but, I, I would like to go on record with you gentlemen that uh, the last time we were at Torrey Pines, I was 39 in the dark on that nine. Okay. So I had Bryson by five. I just, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> wow. uh, so you know, John, one thing uh, I want, sorry, Bob, I, just gonna, I just going to say one thing that really stood out for me for that was the play of Richard Bland. Oh, Remember yeah. he's like the biggest journeyman in the history and he had the 36 hole lead. Um, 7067. I thought that was a really cool story and to interview him afterwards in the scrums and stuff was kind of a uh, a Walter Mitty moment. And then also I think you have to throw out a hat to uh, to Mackenzie Hughes mm. who who went into the final day uh the tied for the group. lead and first time in a major, right? And yeah. he said afterwards, he admitted afterwards, you know, he was tingling, he was a little nervous and then had the unfortunate situation with that tr- ball into a tree. Was I think if they, I think if 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 uh Tory Pines was nice. They'd let him come back with an axe and cut that chop, tree down. Chop that puppy down is what they should do. Yeah. It goes John Rob guys at six under. Guess who makes an appearance again in second place? Louis, who stays in at five under, one off the pace. Louis shoots 71 on Sunday, one over to Rom 67. And to me, that jumps out a little bit, guys, because to our previous conversation about over par, under par, uh, if I look at the rest of the top five players on this leaderboard which are six players Louis Ustazen is the only one over par he shoots 71 Rom 67 Harris English 68 Guido Migliozzi 68 love that Brooks Kepka 69 
and Colin Morikawa, 70. That rounds out the top five of the U.S. Open. And Louis Oosthuizen over par. Uh, that kind of says a little bit about to what Bob's point was about over par. And at some point here, you know, does the scar tissue take over? Some other surprising Sundays, guys. Rory McIlroy opens under par at a U.S. Open. And we were kind of harping, hey, Rory's just got to start well, right? That you just got to get out of the gates. If you could just get out of the gates, he'll be fine. He got out of the gates. He shot 70 on Thursday, 73 Friday. So it's like, oh, I'm in it. Oh, I better not be in it. 67 on Saturday. Oh, I'm close. I better get out of this. 73 Sunday for Rory. Can't get her done. And again, Mackenzie Hughes, hot off. 77, a rough Sunday for Mackenzie Hughes, but a position he's never been in before and hopefully building blocks now that he was able to play in the final group of a major championship on Sunday. On the other side. Maybe a bit of a coronation at the Open Championship? Question mark. We'll talk about it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our men's major year review special. We only have one official major to go. We're going to do winners, we're going to what? We'll do Olympics, we'll do Ryder Cup. Wow, what a performance by Team USA. And that's kind of a good segue because Team USA, whether it's Ryder Cup, or whether it's President's Cup, which we will play next year at Quell Hollow, there was a certain changing of the guard on whose team this is. Uh, and the names like Patrick Cantley emerged and Xander Shoffley emerged. Young Americans that don't have a hangover. Young Americans that aren't thinking about the last 20 years, 25 years of Ryder Cup failure. And maybe the biggest name of those young Americans to emerge is Colin Morikawa, our open champion, who becomes a two-time major champion already, is, you know, trying to track down John Rahm as the number one player in the world. He goes 67, 64, 68, 66, and Colin Morikawa um, we've spoke about this in the past, not your stereotypical modern day player. He's not a bomber. He's not destroying golf courses with obscene length. He isn't Bryson DeChambeauing it. For that matter, he isn't Dustin Johnson it. He's a bit of a throwback, Bob. He's the smartest player maybe in the field. Uh, it's a gut check every time he plays. He, he is ready for the moment. He won a PGA on a very different golf course. Now he's won an open championship on a very different golf course. And to have the awareness, Bob, at this age to go, this pencil grip that has done so well for me uh, maybe doesn't work on greens that run at like nine and a half. Maybe I need a little bit more hit in my putting stroke. And I'm going to go conventional when I get overseas. I mean, I know we're guilty of, oh, the, the, the most recent thing we've seen is the best thing we've seen. But this guy is just so impressive to me. 
and, and, and the maturity, he's the best iron player in the world, but the maturity is what blows me away. He's, uh, it's, it's all come very quickly too. When you think about it, when he stepped onto the first tee at Royal St. George's never, not only had he never played, uh, the open championship, but if you went back a year earlier, he'd only played in one major. And now here he is not only, um, contending, but being one of the favorites leading into that week to try and win it all. It was perfect weather. I will say that, you know, it was sunny. They were all out in shirt sleeves. There wasn't a ton of real blustery conditions like we've become used to over the years. And, I think, I think he's, he proved to be a fast learner and kind of going back to what you were saying with the putter, he realized that he had to make some adjustments, realized he had to make some adjustments with his equipment. Um, and, and that's, that's the hallmark I think of, of his strength. Yes. He's a great iron player, but almost equally impressive to me is just how smart a golfer he is, just how wise he is beyond his years for a young guy like that to be able to um, listen to advice from the right people and, and such as Marco Mira, who helped him with his putting and put that back into play. Um, boy, this was, this was a pretty impressive performance by a guy who was playing in his first Open Championship. He wins on so many different golf courses. You know, he won a WGC uh, event in Florida uh, that was on a very different golf course. Uh, you know, if you look at his numbers at him at Augusta, I mean, he basically putted with a blindfold that week at Augusta and had a horrible Saturday statistically speaking it won't look at it on the leaderboard but he could have won that green jacket uh, what what impresses you more adam the, the putting the iron play or are you with bob and i just i just think he is like an old soul soul that is ready for it. you talk about players who are ready for the spotlight ready for the position don't mind the rock uh when the uh, to hit the buzzer beater to win the game there's a certain type of personality that's why tiger seems to be the only guy that can stay number one in the world for any ex extensive period of time because everyone else is hot potato because they're not ready for it. Am, am I overblowing this? I think like Morikawa is that guy. I think he could be that guy as well. And, you know, you mentioned his ball striking, his improved putting, but I think his number one asset is between his ears is, is just his mindset. He's very even keeled. Uh, and even talk, you know, after he won the open championship, how poised he was at the microphone, just thanking everyone there and, and talking about his mindset when he won uh, the uh, DP world tour championship, we haven't really seen him get emotional before, but sort of reflecting back and thinking back of the last, what, 14, 50 months have been like for him, both on and off the golf course and sort of thanking people in that sense. But this is a guy I mentioned it on another show who uh, on a, one of our previous best of shows, who just wears out the middle of the club face and he's not going to bomb at 360. He's going to hit it you know, 290 to 300 with a four yard cut every time. So he knows where the ball is going. And that putter has really improved. We've seen him miss putts in the past. I uh, think last year at the Charles Schwab challenges, just out of the uh, COVID restart, but now he's got that new putting grip, as you guys mentioned, and we were sort of questioning how it would do on the slower putting services, but especially on Sunday, he made so many clutch putts down the stretch. No many, not many real mistakes, so to speak, a bogey free final round at the open championship as well. He also was bogey free in the final round of the PGA championship when he won. So this guy's clutched down the stretch and Mark, you mentioned it before. This could be a huge 2022 for Colin Morikawa. Yeah, and I, I, I it's weird because the you wonder guys, and I could again, I, I could be misreading this, but to, to to be dominant, to be a tiger, to be the way DJ was looking like he was going to take a run, Rory back in the day before Rory got in his way, <laughs> to be dominant, you, you almost need some, a level of explosiveness 
And, and I'm not sure if Colin Morikawa has that explosiveness, but every part of his game is just so good. And if you're the best iron player in the world and you hit it closer uh, to the hole than anybody else more often, it, it should be a foundation to maybe not have an explosive world number one career, but where you're in the top five in the world for the next 20 years. Is that a fair breakdown, Bob? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, um, longevity is something that's, as we've seen, is kind of can be very fleeting for a lot of guys or tough to, to tough to attain for a lot of guys, you know, three, four, five years now seems to be the sort of the length. And you see these guys going up go and they go down. Some of them come back up. Very few guys kind of have that rise that Mark Howe seems to be on. Uh, it's still early. I mean, there's, now, let's not forget his first PGA Tour start was the 2019 RBC Canadian Open. That's not that long ago. So, uh, so he's he's still he's still learning the game, which is in some respects pretty scary when you think about it. But he's a fast learner. He's proved that. That's and that's to me the mark of of a guy who is uh, willing to willing to kind of learn and willing to understand, as I said before, uh, who to listen to. Would you agree, Bob, with this statement that Colin Morikawa's foundation is the foundation built on longevity, but not necessarily the foundation built to be dominant at world number one? I think he can do both, but uh, I agree with you. I think his game is one that doesn't have uh, a part that could fly off <laughs> at any one point. You know, a lot of guys who have long games who hit the ball a ton if they lose that part of their game, you know, it's, it's a struggle, but he's, since he's short up his putting, he's really doesn't have a lot of weak parts. He's got some that are stronger than others, but the weak parts uh, are, are really still pretty impressive. Adam, same for you. Is this a, a, a foundation for longevity? Uh, not a guy that's going to win five times in a year, four times in a year, but someone who's going to win once or twice every year and always be around. That's sort of what this new era of golf is. There's just so much parody in the game that he's always going to be sniffing around the top of the leaderboard. Maybe some weeks he'll get it done. Some weeks he'll, some weeks he'll come up short. But yeah, I don't really see his game falling off a cliff, so to speak, unless he goes for a swing change, which why would you go for a swing change with, when you have such a, a technically sound golf swing? I'm, the putter for me is something that I'm not sure if he'll ever sway away from that claw grip because it's it's brought him so much success, but he's just all around an incredibly solid player, and and it's it'll be fun to see where he goes from here. All right, let's take a look at uh, the final leaderboard. Colin Morikawa, a two-shot win over Jordan Spieth, re-emerging in a major championship. Louis Oosthuizen, stays in there. He is again. And look who's back for another tie third, John Rahm, just world number one right there all the time. It seems like Rahm and Morikawa were the two names. It may be Patrick Cantley that kind of are the guys in my brain that emerged as uh, who dominated the season. Obviously Cantley will go on to win a FedEx cup and uh, have quite a big uh, playoff. Uh, Dylan Fratelli, Mackenzie Hughes. There he is again, eight under par alongside Brooks Kepka uh, rounding out that top five. Mackenzie uh, Hughes, uh, just a nice four days of golf, 66, 69, 68, 69, really making a statement saying, I learned something. I'm comfortable at Torrey Pines and I'm not going away. And Mackenzie isn't going away and he's playing great right now. And I expect a really big 2022 for Mackenzie Hughes. All right, we're going to switch gears on the other side, guys. We will do winners, winner, what? We're going to do Olympic golf. We're going to do Ryder Cup. 
and we're going to do some predictions for the majors as well. Uh, but let's take a look at the venues before we wrap up hour one of our major special. I'm curious to you guys, what major you are looking forward to the most next year. And I, I, the, obviously the easiest answer is Augusta because it's the next one and it's April and we can't wait. But if I'm breaking this down, for me personally, the 150th anniversary of the Open Championship at St. Andrews is a special moment in the game's history, I think. Uh, that might be the one for me. Uh, I'm curious about LA Country Club. I hear the redesign is spectacular and the renovation project. I, I'd love to, I love, like, I'm curious about that. But for me, it's the Open Championship. My least favorite, guys, I got to tell you, uh, Southern, uh, Southern Hills is uh, maybe my least ch favorite champion, major championship venue. It, it is, it, it just, does nothing for me. I know it's produced some good champions over the years, but it, uh, it, it there's a lot of, a lot of dry golf there. And, and it, you know, I, I was hoping with the move in the, in the PGA championship. Now that that's moving. A lot of these golf courses have been laid out already, but I thought we might see some, uh, some risky challenges and some new venues that I'm hoping to see in the future with the new spot at the PGA. This ain't one of them for me, Adam, what are you looking forward to? I'm intrigued about the open championship because if, you know, obviously it's this unbelievable venue, so much history there as, as it should 150th open championship. But if the wind doesn't blow, like, are we going to see 25 under wind there? I, I, I don't know. It's, it's not the longest course in the world. If we don't see conditions, I, I genuinely, genuinely think we'll see major championship records being broken there. Now, of course, if the wind does blow and we get rain, we'll see unbelievable intrigue and drama down the stretch. Remember 2015 Open Championship, Jordan Spieth going for the third straight leg of the Grand Slam coming up just short, but a three-way uh, playoff with Zach Johnson, Mark Leishman, and our good friend Louis Oosthuizen coming up short there. I'm looking forward to seeing the Open Championship, but I'm hoping we see some carnage, some conditions, because as you mentioned, this year's Open championship the weather was sunny it was nicer at royal st george than in toronto in july when's that ever happen <laughs> you're right it doesn't count when the weather's like that bob what which one are you looking forward to the most and, and any insight any of you have you chatted with anyone about uh la country club dennis paulson's the only person i know that's actually physically uh, been there to play golf yeah i've had a friend who's played there and really likes the golf course he's played there a number of times um he said it will be interesting to see how they set it up for a major championship because it is a country club i mean it's a it's a course that hasn't hosted a lot of uh, major championships let alone regular golf events and i think for me uh you know i've been to southern hills for a couple of opens and uh all i can remember was it was may have been the hottest place on the face of the earth that week it <laughs> seems like anyway i can remember looking down the first fairway and there was, it looked like there was nobody standing up against the ropes. And then when a player would walk out on the tee, all these people would come out from under the trees in the shade and they would watch the shot and then they would go back in. It was like that, it was like that gif, you know, with Homer Simpson and he back walks backwards into the hedge, <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, and I also remember Mike Weir asking me to go and buy him a shirt because the shirt he had on uh, basically had some kind of scratchingness to it. And it was so hot that it was just driving him crazy. So mid tournament i went into a souvenir stand got him a shirt and brought it back and he put it on <laughs> uh which is a weird story in itself well, but southern hills some, oh, sorry Bob, I, I was gonna, only, hopefully we get some better weather in may for the pga versus yeah. june for the u.s open oh, God. yeah the only thing i can i can 
remember about Southern Hills in terms of the actual golf course was the par three, I think, where Stuart Sink rushed a putt to get out of the way of Retief Goosen, missed it, uh, took a bogey instead of a par, and then Goosen missed his putt, as everyone will remember, yes. and ended up with a Monday playoff, which uh, was never, never very popular in the press room, I can tell you that. Well, it will host the PGA this time around, not the U.S. Open, and it will be the second major year now uh, Now that the new schedule is aligned. On the other side, we're going to talk men's Olympic golf and maybe the best playoff nobody saw in the middle <laughs> of the night. We'll do it next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, our year-in-review major special. We did the four men's majors, but there was kind of like a fifth and sixth major this year because we had a Ryder Cup. We had Olympics. Olympic golf was back. Tokyo, Japan, 2020, they called it, because, well, like everything else during the pandemic, it was postponed. And let's just start here. Bob, was this bronze medal playoff the best playoff of the year that nobody saw? <laughs> I think I think you can, uh, you can chalk it up to Rory McIlroy, who always has great quotes, who said, I'd never tried so hard to finish third in my life. You know, <laughs> it, it really was. First of all, the number of players in it. Second of all, the quality of the players in it. And third of all, how hard they were trying to try and get this uh, bronze medal. I mean, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I, I remember watching this with my eyes bleeding from being up in, in, in the middle of the night, uh, covering it as you guys were. And it ends up being a CT Pan getting it done in the fourth playoff hole over guess who? Colin Morikawa right there again to the bitter end. Rory McIlroy, Mito Pereira, and Sebastian Munoz get knocked out the whole, be whole before the third playoff hole. And going out in the first playoff hole was Paul Casey and Hideki Matsuyama. And I just remember pulling so hard for Hideki, you know, one shot here or there, and he's meddling in Japan. And it could have even happened in regulation for Hideki as well. Uh, Xander Shoffley. Uh, getting the gold medal 18 under par guys it's a one-shot victory over Rory Sabatini uh, the legendary Slovenian player Rory Sabatini who <laughs> if you go back through the annals of uh, Slovenian amateur golf uh, the record books will be uh, just a plethora of the names Rory oh, hold on a second he's never played for Slovenia before <laughs> how does that happen head scratcher and then of course the playoff uh, Scully let's talk Xander here mm -hmm. because Xander the book on Xander is great young player, right? Steady Eddie, as good as it gets, uh, has won large events, has done well in very big events, but has not won the major. He's a top five machine in majors. Look at, you know, playoffs. There's Xander. 
WGC, there's Xander. Tournaments with limited fields where it's the best of the best, there's Xander. And majors, it's translated to success, but not to victories. Is this the springboard? Uh, we, we talk springboard all the time. We talk about Ryder Cup performances. Oh, this is the springboard. Is this gold medal on this stage the springboard to Xander Shoffley taking the next step in 22? I, I certainly think so. I mean, his record alone at the U.S. Open is unbelievable. He's played five times, I believe, four top tens in those U.S. Opens. Of course, never won it. But now, you know, he, he's, he's won the big one, a gold medal. Um, and you know, of course he had that, um, failure, I guess you could call it at the masters a couple months previous when he rinsed it on the 70th hole resulting, uh, in a triple bogey, but, you know, looking ahead here, I'm, I'm a million percent picking Xander Shoffley at the U S open, uh, this coming June here, because this is a guy who just plots along. He's kind of like Colin Morikawa to a degree. He's, I'd agree he's, with that yep. he's not the longest guy in the world, but he hits it relatively straight. Of course, at the U.S. Open this past June on home soil, he tried the armbar putter two weeks before, and I don't know what that decision was all about, but I, I th- that that was just very strange. But for Xander Shoffley, yeah, this could be the opening of the floodgates because, you know, this was a limited field. There were a lot of the top players in the world, maybe not not a good amount, but there were, there was a decent amount of top players in the world there. I, I, I think this could be a springboard for Shoffley to pick up that first major. All right, Bob, are you, are you ready to go there? Are you, are you ready to call this the springboard of 22 for Xander? He also played brilliantly at the Ryder Cup, which we'll get to in our next segment. Are these the last two uh, little uh, steps needed to find that uh, first major victory? I think so. I think, I think once you've done it in a big event like this, like the Olympics, and in a lot of people's minds, there's nothing bigger in sports than the Olympics, maybe golf has its own sort of classification. But once he's done it like that, I think it becomes a lot easier when you're on Sunday afternoon coming down the stretch at any one of the major championships. He said, okay, yeah, you know, I won, I won in the heat in the battle uh, at, at the Olympics in Tokyo. And yes, as you say, maybe it's not as deep a field as you would get at a major championship, but just knowing that you can do it, just knowing that you have done it, opens a lot of doors and just, I think, makes it so much easier. He's such a good player. He's, he really is... I don't know, arguably in my mind, the best player without a major championship right now. Pretty close. I think it's hands down. I I think he's hands down the best player in the world without a major championship based on the type of events he's won, including now this gold medal. And also, Bob, I like Adam's uh, comparison. Is that fair? You know, I would say I would say that Colin Morikawa is the greatest iron player in the world. But I do like the comparison to Xander. I wouldn't say Xander is number one at anything in particular, like Colin with the Irons. But I would say the comparison is fair because I would say, show me the weakness. I can't find one. He's just really good at everything. Yeah, he's got a well-rounded game for sure. Um, And I don't think, you're right, you don't think of him as a bomber. You don't think of him as a spectacular putter or brilliant short game. But the sum of the parts is pretty darn good. And that's always what you like to have. It goes back to what we were saying before about longevity as well. You know, this is a, this is a golfer who will probably be around for quite a while. Okay. Uh, the elephant in the room here, guys, I'm sorry to bring it up and I'm sorry to be Debbie Downer on this one, but we got, you know, Xander Shoffley and then we got a playoff with, you know, exceptional amount of talent for the bronze. And did that save us? Did that skew our image of Olympic golf? Because I think we all enjoyed it. Or 
for Olympic golf to continue and be healthy, does there need to be a format change? Mm -hmm. Before the Olympics, before we had this quality golf, the three of us all agreed that, hey, man, we need a bit of a team component. Maybe we need uh, the men and the women amalgamated together here in some capacity. Or maybe we need a format. I wrote an article after the Olympics that for me, I even though this was a huge success, I would love to see Olympic golf take on a format. Whatever that format is, is debatable in my mind. You could probably convince me multiple different ways, but I would love a format that is unique to the Olympics. In other words, every four years, the three of us said, the only way, the only place in the world we see this format is in the Olympics. I'm still there. I think we got almost saved in a way. And I think the long-term health of Olympic golf still needs a format change. Adam, do you agree or convince me otherwise? I, I think there certainly does have to be something changed with the format. I will, I will say though, you know, you think back to 2016 in Rio with, with Zika virus, you know, there was obviously that in play with some of the top players in the world and electing not to play. Of course, COVID was, and is still a, a massive story across around the world. I, the Olympics has to happen without some sort of worldwide, not pandemic or issue going on to, to really, I think, see the effects of what it could be like, cause even some players, you know, backing out this year, Dustin Johnson saying, Oh, it just doesn't fit in my schedule. Come on. It's the Olympics. Like, like th this is something that not many people in the world can say uh, they've ever done. And it should be a big accomplishment. I do think, you know, going back to your question that it does need some sort of format change. Like we've spoken about before, but imagine, you know, Corey Connors or Mackenzie Hughes playing alternate shot with a Brooke Henderson or Elena Sharp, just how exciting that would be to see, you know, fist pumps going back and forth and props, that sort of thing. I, it needs some sort of change. I just don't know exactly what that would be. I'm not saying I do know what it is. Yeah. I'm saying I'd really love to see something unique to just the Olympics. And I'd also love some type of team medal component. We still didn't hand out a country team medal in golf, which to me kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Bob, the two things that you've said in the last couple of years, that well, you say a lot of things that stick in my mind, but the two of them <laughs> is that the Open Championship at Royal Portrush was the greatest major you've ever attended. And that says a lot, considering you've attended more majors than any other person that I personally know. Um, and the other thing you've always said is that people don't understand the size of an Olympic Games, how big and how important, and how global it is until you get there. And a lot of these players, to Adam's point, like Dustin Johnson, who just skipped the Olympics, don't really have an, a true understanding of what they're skipping. Um, that has always landed with me. All that being said, now that we've had some time to kind of reflect and digest this, are you off we need a format change or are you back to where we were before Tokyo and we need a format change? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my curling hat on here to give you an example of what I think nice. should happen. So curling got into the Olympics. It was a hard fight to get it into the Olympics because there's a lot of people who thought, what a ridiculous sport. And it ended up being like this crazy, weird hit for countries, especially in the United States, which gobbled up the television. They loved it. Uh, it hit a whole bunch of different things in that it was played by men and women, didn't have any officials in terms of judges. All those things were big hits. So the Olympic Committee said, you know, we might be interested in more curling. So they came up with this uh, mixed doubles, a man and a woman, five rocks instead of eight rocks in an end, a shorter game 
comp more compact for television and that's taken off to the point where it's almost more popular now in the olympics than the regular four player team so i think that hits on what you're saying mark is let's come up with a format that if it's not unique to the olympics it is certainly something that um could be associated more more so with the olympics a mixed team of something and some kind of maybe an alternate shot which is always the toughest format to play or, or some kind of a, and, and throw, throw the tradition out the window, create it as crazy and as nutty and as silly as you want and see if it sticks, test it with some amateur stuff. And, and, you know, maybe it's speed golf, maybe it's that running and golf or something like that, which is a, you know, a, a game that is actually exists out there, but maybe just something a little bit different, a little bit unique and try and see if you can sell that and make it a real entertainment uh, kind of idea as opposed to something with, which we've already seen a hundred times over the years, like another tournament that's four rounds of stroke play. You know, it's, it's so interesting. You say that Bob and frame it that way, because when I, if we look at the Olympics as an opportunity to grow sports uh, in countries that no, normally don't get exposed to that particular sport. And I think golf is, that's the opportunity for golf, even though it's a global game to grow the sport and the participation level and the interest in the game globally to maybe countries that wouldn't be, uh, uh, you know, used to seeing it unless it's in the Olympics, if that's the case, and if that's the, the, the part of the pitch, which I think we all agree it is, then it's very similar to the conundrum that golf faces within our own country and within North America is that the, the fixation on 18 holes, the fixation that golf has to be a certain format all the time of stroke play and we go and we play 17 holes has hampered the growth of the game. And, you know, Lawrence Applebaum will tell you this, you know, nine, there's nothing wrong with nine holes. There's nothing wrong with six holes. There's nothing wrong with alternate shot. There's nothing wrong with pair. So why not the opportunity, instead of handing out six medals at the Olympics for golf, three for the men and three for the women, you know, why don't we hand out 24 medals for golf in four different formats played over shorter periods of time and take the lead of a curling and things of that nature to Bob. How about a long drive champ, long drive championship. Yeah. Now we're talking. Okay. Why not? <laughs> why not? And, and just dial up the entertainment and don't make it another 72 holes of individual painful stroke play, because that is what is holding back the growth of the game on the other side. Maybe the most boring event of the year, <laughs> just because it got completely run over. The Ryder Cup and the announcement from Team USA, you better forget the last 20 plus years, gents, because this is a different red, white, and blue. We'll do it next. This is Golf Talk Camp. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Welcome back to our year-reviewed major men's special. We've done the majors, we've done the Olympics, but it was a Ryder Cup year. And again, uh, at a beautiful Pete Dye golf course, at Whistling Straits, uh, just such a picturesque venue for TV. Uh, had the pleasure of getting out to Kohler, Wisconsin once and, and playing golf out there. It's a special place. I love the uh, Straits course. 
at Whistling Straits. They're all fantastic. We all picked Team USA, I believe, to win the Ryder Cup. And we thought it might be one of the better Team USAs in quite a long time. Uh, you know, I was screaming at the top of my lungs that I really thought that there'd be a changing of the guard with the Morikawas and the Cantleys and the Shoffleys. And it ended up this way, but 19 to 9? I mean, come on, Bob. I, nobody saw this coming. No. And, you know, this was a combination of a really powerful American team and a European team that just looked like they had no idea where they were, what they were supposed to do, which end of the club to hold. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it, you know, it, it, Ryder Cups, President's Cups, they generally come down to who putts better. And traditionally, it's been the Europeans, but their putting was horrific. Really, they did not sink a lot of good putts, a lot of medium length or long length putts. And the Americans just seemed to fill them up from everywhere. And I think once the ball got rolling, you know, the snowball, it just kind of was like an avalanche. And I think the, I won't say the Europeans packed it in, um, but let's just say that they may have lost their vigor to fight down the stretch on Sunday in the singles matches. With the volatility that Team USA has been built on over the years in terms of the personality types, now we're looking at Cantley, Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Find me a pulse with mm -hmm. these guys. Like, find me a pulse. You can't. Bob, I'll go to Adam with both of these next, but I want to come to you right back with this. If, if you're the rest of the world right now, Euro and internationals for President's Cup, which actually made it a, a little bit closer affair the last time around, still lost, but Ernie Els did a great job. But looking at the state of the official world golf rankings in the international team, and considering what they just did with these three players that don't have a pulse, that are all super young, going to be around a long time. I mean, is this putting the world on notice? Uh, uh, like, <laughs> should we just expect Team USA the next 10 years to dominate international competition full period? Well, yeah, there's ebbs and flows to, to these competitions over the years for sure. Um, and this seems to be a big, a big tidal wave of American power. Uh, coming in but you never know who might come up I mean there's some good young international players if we ever get the uh, the I don't know the 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 guys like Mito Pereira and Joaquin Neiman even if some of the other uh, young European players start to blossom a little bit it might make it closer but the fact that the U.S. team um, their average age is still pretty young you know it's it's boy you got to be going in there with your armor on if you're the internationals or the uh, or the Europeans, because boy, it's gonna it's gonna take something special to knock these guys off. Adam, how shocked were you? The blow again. None of us thought that this type of landslide was coming, uh, but but shocking. And again, is this? Hey, this team's arrived. It's different. The leadership is different, and you better get out of the way. Well, you could arguably say that two years from now, the U.S. could have the exact same team dustin johnson the oldest guy on that team they called him grandpa on the team would you go oh he was just five and oh and absolutely dominated everyone and then the, the european team lee westwood very not uh, very not likely gonna be playing next time around ian poulter who knows sergio maybe one more this u.s team is going to be here for a long time this is a new era for uh, american golf in the Ryder cup but mark you, you might you brought up um you know, guys sort of being even keeled, your Patrick Cantlay's, your Xander Shoffley's, your Colin Morikawa. You think back to for the U.S., you thought all about players being emotional, going nuts, you know, Chris DeMarco, guys like that, Anthony Kim, 
Keegan Bradley, Justin Leonard. Could you picture Colin Morikawa running around the green with his arms in the air? I, I couldn't do that. Like this guy is even keeled. They all have that sort of same mentality. And that, I think that'll really help him in an event like this, especially going to Rome in a couple of years, which will certainly be a hostile environment. Well, this is interesting uh, because it's like a team USA is now built on NFL field goal kickers. Cause that's what these guys, they have no pulse. They just go in and they, you know, they win the super bowl on their leg and they hit, you know, hit a 47 yarder for the win. And who would have ever thought that the entire key to the European Ryder cup team would have been the Italian uh, contingency. Uh, we're going to Rome in two years and unless that team is stacked with young italian stars uh i say look out because i think the same thing might happen we're going to need an emergence of a lot of italian players in front of that italian crowd in rome uh i will not be missing that one gents i will be i will be in attendance for that one i don't don't care what i gotta do i'll i will be at that one um just mind-boggling okay you know let's just transition a little bit here I know it's Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. I know we put a bow. I know Rome, but we are entering a President's Cup year. Yeah. I mean, uh, is there any reason to believe whatsoever? Uh, Bob, I'm going to start with you because I know you have talked to a couple of people that were suggesting for a second there might be a President's Cup format change coming at some point. I haven't heard anything since those rumblings. Now, Team USA runs over Team Europe. I mean, have you heard any update on that whatsoever? in terms of format changes and uh is there any reason to believe realistically believe that the president's cups a quail hollow of all places <laughs> is going to flip the other way uh there are some rumblings about format changes i think i don't think it's going to happen this coming year I, I think if it happens it'll be take a while for it to kind of work through the system as these things tend to do it's just they've got to find some way, and Ernie Els did most of it in Australia, where he brought them at least to make the competition close. It was a good competition. It was much better, obviously, than the Ryder Cup. I honestly think that the next President's Cup team will do better against this American squad than the, than the European team did. And if you look at some of the names on the list, if they play to their potential, uh, Sung J.M., Cam Smith, Louis Oosthuizen, um, Hideki Matsuyama, Mark Leishman, you know, there's some big names in there, including also the Canadians like Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors. Do I think they're going to win? Unlikely, but I think they can make it close or at least closer. Uh, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be an interesting time right now in these cup battles, whether it's presidents or, or rider in trying to stop the, the, the American dominance and to how long those runs are going to get. And maybe it ends up being like what happened in the uh, uh, in the you know, but when it was Great Britain and the, before Europe was in, in there, and uh, the Americans just kind of went over there and had a couple of cocktails and went out and beat these guys, you know, hand over fist. It was so bad. So these things can't get any more lopsided. We've seen what happens with the Presidents Cup when there's a real lopsided streak where people just lose interest in it, and that can't happen if you want these things to survive. Agreed. We only have about a minute left here, guys. On the other side, we're going to do winners, where to what. So I'm going to go quickly to both of you guys with this question. Adam, in 20, all joking aside, you know, I said about the Italians in Rome, and I was partly joking there. But in 2023, whose team does it need to be? Who needs to be the leader of that European team in 2023 in order for that European team to get right back on track? Is it John Rahm, world number one, or is it got to be Rory McIlroy or other? 
I, I think it has to be John Rahm, but Rory McIlroy can't be too far behind. We need to see a way better Rory McIlroy performance-wise on the golf course in Rome for the Europeans to have any chance to contend. Bob, is it Rory's team, Rahm's team, other? I think it's John Rahm's turn. I think he's got to take over. He's the dominant player right now. He's the better of the player right now. I think he will would be really good in that role. I think he's feisty enough. I think he's got that personality. It's just a question of that he has to embrace it. He has to know and, and he has to feel it. I don't think he'll lose the input of guys like McElroy and Fleetwood and people who've been around a little bit, but but I think it's John Rom's team now. Yeah, I agree with both of you gentlemen. I think it's got to be Rom. All due respect to Rory. I still think Rory's got a ton in the tank and he's so emotional and you see how important he is, but I think it's uh, John Rom's time uh to kind of almost take that baton that goes through team spain right with sevi olathabo and sergio and now to rom time will tell on the other side three dub winners win what major championship edition this is golf talk Canada. this segment of gtc presented by picton mahoney asset management was brought to you by the muskoka bay club and resort live stay and play This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada, year in review, major recap special as we look back, and it is that time. It is three dub, the good, the bad, and the ugly from the world of major championship golf. Winners, weird, or what? And Adam, the tea is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. All right, gents. So this week for my major championship edition of winners, weird and what my winner is John Rahm. And yes, the, the maturity side of John Rahm, how we saw sort of a different side of John Rahm throughout the, the season and how he won that major championship at the U.S. Open. But he's my winner because of a response he gave a reporter asking about why his swing is short. It was it because you have tight hips, John, why, why is your swing short? And he said, you know what, actually it's because I have a club foot and no one had any idea that he had a club foot. And so he went on to explain that, you know, his right leg is a centimeter, uh, I believe a centimeter shorter than his left. So we can only, he can't turn and which is, which he, he can't go to parallel or else he'll just lose all his, all of his control. And it was, He's my winner because to be that honest to, about something that you've gone through is quite something for a professional golfer, world number one, uh, as we're recording this, John Rom to, to do that. So I, I thought these were pretty cool comments from John Rom to hear this. Yeah, I'm, Bob, I'm so surprised, you know, in today's day and age of social media and media on top of guys 24-7, that this kind of stayed quiet for as long as it did. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I guess it's not the kind of thing you like to publicize unless it's a you're in the right mood and you feel comfortable doing that. So that's, I'm sure that's what John Rom was um, 
was thinking about. He didn't have to tell anybody. So why would he tell anybody? And if he doesn't tell anybody, then it doesn't get blasted all over the internet. But uh, I, uh, you know, it's fine. I think it's a, it's an, it makes him just even that much more amazing. And you can understand why his swing is the way it is. And when you, if you haven't ever seen John Rahm in person, um, he's, he's a very large man. I don't mean like tall, but he's, he is tall, but he's also very thick and he's very powerful. So you can see how he gets it with just a short swing like that. Yeah, it's amazing. And once in a while, every, every decade or so, something like this emerges, uh, like Bob, do you remember Tim Clark and yes. his, for, his forearms couldn't face one another? His head? Yeah. And he, he always used a long putter as part of it. And, um, it's always interesting to see people, uh, succeed, uh, Alvin and, Pete. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So find ways arm. of getting it done, right? Yeah. Finding ways of getting it done when mother nature throws you a curveball. Yeah, that's for sure. Right? So good for John Rom for making uh, those comments. Okay. On the other side of the spectrum here, we go to my weird and we go to Bryson DeChambeau who was playing Lynx golf for the first time. The new beefed up Bryson. So much excitement. Was he going to try to drive every hole? He's going to have to hit four rounds in every hole. Well, the first round at Royal St. George's didn't really go to plan for Bryson DeChambeau. And he was frustrated after saying that his driver sucks. And he was, he was almost yelling at the media saying, my driver sucks. It doesn't have the spin. It doesn't have what I need it. And obviously, you know, his club manufacturer Cobra was not very happy with this. Uh, Bob, have you ever seen a, a professional golfer of this magnitude sort of complain about his drive or his equipment in this way? Cause I sure definitely have not. <laughs> not, not in front of the assembled media. I can assure you that that was a, uh, usually it's the other way around. They're trying to sneak in the praise for the guys, right. And make say wonderful things about them instead of the other way around. Yeah. It's Unbelievable. I, you know, I was thinking like, he's supposed to, he's like a science major, right. And he doesn't understand that four and a half degrees aloft at 200 miles an hour doesn't have a lot of forgiveness. You, you can't figure that out. Yeah. Now, I mean, I am curious to see where Bryson goes with the driver. He's posting all these social media clips hitting 214 miles an hour of ball speed, which is positively ludicrous to think of, but I'm, I'm curious where Bryson goes in 2022. Okay. My what? We've seen some meltdowns at major championships as of late. You think of Danny Lee back at the 2020 U.S. Open six putting and then breaking his putter and getting injured after that. But how about Eric Van Ruyen? Second round of the PGA Championship. There's some water on that 17th hole at Kiowa Island, and he put it in the water, and let's just say he wasn't too happy. He took a full swing at the, the tee marker right on the tee box, shattered it, nearly hitting another caddy, another player. This was a guy losing his temper, and it was kind of funny at the time. No one got hurt, obviously, but to see a player melt down like this, it happens to the best of the best, does it not, Mark? It does. Uh, these guys, you know... It, <laughs> The, the, the difference now is there's cameras all, all over the place all the time, right? That's, but it's, uh, it, I love, it is for me, I know I got in trouble earlier this year for, for bringing up one of these incidents on the air and laughing about it. Someone, one of our listener, listeners in the audience thought I was praising it. I wasn't praising any of these types of behaviors, but it, it does uh, humanize them to a, a point, right? Because we're so often seeing them scripted, perfect, hitting perfect golf shots. So when you get some of this once in a while, you go, oh yeah, I've been there. Yeah, it <laughs> happens to the best of the best. And this was just a meltdown for Eric Van Ruyen. Okay, that's it for me. Uh, Mark, the tea is now yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, boys, for me, 
come on. How do I not go Phil Mickelson? I picked him as my overall winner of the year of winners, weird and what. So he's got to be my major winner of the year for all the reasons already outlined. I mean, this is the most historic major victory of possibly this century so far. Uh, you know, we could certainly, it's, it's certainly near around that. The oldest major championship champion in history. I mean, his reign as PGA champion would be, it's just been epic. Phil is in my predictions coming up in our final segment today. Uh, but as, as Adam, you outlined, we do TSN Edge every week, which we will continue to do in 2022. I mean, he wasn't, no one uttered the name Phil Mickelson at any point leading into the uh, Key Wild. No chance. No, we would have been, we would have been nuts. People would have ripped us if we picked Phil Mickelson. He was, his game was nowhere near his A game going into that PGA championship. And then what's he do? He wins the darn thing. It was unbelievable. Uh, my weird guys, we've already touched on this, Bob, my weird's Bryson DeChambeau as just the season that was Bryson in the majors. And in a way I'm going to cheat because I'll go back to the masters in November, pumping pumpkin spice masters. That's 12 months apart. So in the last 12 months of majors, after a guy won a U.S. Open at winged foot in dominant fashion, we're like, whoa, what is this? He won so dominantly at Wingfoot that it made a Rory McIlroy decide to go chase distance, which makes no sense whatsoever. And we all had these epic predictions to what DeShambo was going to do in the upcoming 12 months of major championship golf. And you know what we got? Wah, wah. With the highlight of the 44 at Torrey Pines, Bob, it is mind-boggling mind-bogglingly strange it is so weird that he had no success in majors you think you think there might have been a few snickers in the uh, locker room at the pga tour when some of those things happen maybe i don't know uh yeah you uh you better better produce if you're gonna talk like the way bryson does and there were some pretty ugly moments in some of the major championships and very as you said very strange very unusual um I think it goes to show you, though, that major championships, you just can't overpower them. It takes more, a lot more than a, I don't want to say Bryson's a one-dimensional golfer, but it certainly does take a lot more than just hitting it long to be able to win one of the big four. Very much so. And in my what, and this is kind of more in, in the prediction mode, which is a nice segue into our next segment before I throw the tee to Bob. But I don't like to really give up an opportunity to kick the USGA or an RNA when I can. <laughs> so. I'll just say this, what happens at the end of 2022 when two people win majors with an arm lock putter? Mm. Might not be Bryson, might be. But what if two of the four majors go to an arm lock? Does January 1st, 2023, do we all of a sudden have an illegal arm lock ban in place in the world of professional golf? That would be the way this thing tends to be trending, the minute anybody has any success with something that is deemed legal now is all of a sudden illegal the following year. I don't want to, you know, just you know, shoot by the hip, but I'm not really shooting at the hip. They've laid out that uh, game plan. It would make sense if that were to happen. I'm praying to God I'm wrong, and I'm praying to God that we have four major champions in 2022 with a conventional grip and a conventional putter so we don't have to have this conversation next <laughs> fall. All right, Bob, the tea is yours.
So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! All right, guys. Well, my winner is uh, actually a winners. There's four of them. Oh. And for the first time ever, there was a practice round played at Augusta National with four Canadian golfers. And I thought that was pretty cool. I know you, Mark, have been to a lot of Masters. I've been to a lot of Masters. And you always see the four South Africans playing together and the four Australians playing together and the four Spaniards together. Well, this year was pretty cool when we walked up there and saw Mike Weir, Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, and Mackenzie Hughes playing together. Just a sign, another sign, I should say, of how great we are at a state right now of, of, of talent in, in this country. And Mark, uh, I don't know what you thought of that, but I thought it was pretty cool. And I can tell you the three young guys, it was sort of like the old uh, uh, Kung Fu, you know, take the, uh, take the rock from my hand or whatever, grasshopper. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Mike. We are handing out the information and uh, telling the guys a little bit about the special parts of Augusta national. I don't know what you thought about that. I, that's God's, you know, it's, I'm, I'm, I really enjoy it when we do these uh, retrospective things because we forget, I forget these highlights of the year it feels so long ago but you're right you know we've i've not been there as often as you bob but i've been you know 15 16 masters and you know some years we've been there and there was you know uh with the exception of mike weir since 03 in the past champions there's been no canadian flags and there's been no canadians and we've kind of been like wandering around like do 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 that's right I, i'm with you bob that's awesome uh my weird this week is uh at the pga championship on the last hole it was like the old British Open. They had the big crowd surrounding it, and the players had to fight their way through. And what made it weird was Brooks Kepka, who is the biggest, strongest-looking linebacker-like kind of guy, how he had to fight his way through the crowd, and then all he could do was complain about the fact that people were touching his knee or getting hit by his sore leg or whatever it was. Yep. And I thought, why did it take the wind out of the sails? Why don't you just say, oh, that was a pretty cool event. And, you know, I, I'm sure if you'd really wanted to, you could have parted the wave like the Red Sea, you know, and just walked right through, but he fought right through it. It was kind of weird. I love, I love that as kind of a tradition. I'm not sure uh, it was all that appropriate in the time of pandemic with COVID raging where everyone's jammed up there and there wasn't a mask to be seen, but it was a pretty cool moment, Adam. What did you think? It was a, certainly a very cool moment. And I mean, Kepka being Kepka afterwards, sort of, he's, he's not going to hide anything. And I mean, I think he was maybe being a bit of a sore loser, maybe a little PO that he, he couldn't get the, the victory, uh, especially where, where his body was, what, a month earlier at the Masters. He could barely walk up a hill. And now he's coming runner up at a major championship, a pretty great accomplishment for Kepka. But we know him, he likes to win. And that was, that was all a pretty of cool a sudden, he's around. a delicate flower. My what this week is, what would you guys say is the best place if you wanted to see trophies or rewards from major championships? And I'll answer the question for you. It's the Atlanta airport. Oh. Because on two occasions this year, oh, yeah. the, the big trophies for the majors actually went through. First of all, we had shots of Hideki Matsuyama walking through the day after the Masters with the green jacket on a hanger, not in a clothing bag or anything, a garment bag. He was just walking through. And then a little later, we saw uh Colin Morikawa arriving home with the box with the claret jug in it walking through the middle of the airport and I thought hey guys you just want a major maybe you should spring for a private plane or something you know <laughs> like I guess they didn't want to give up their tickets but I thought that was pretty cool to uh to be able first of all to find out that that happened and then to have shots of the two things happening with the both both jacket and trophy walking through uh with the players 
in the airport. Uh, Adam, what would you do if you ever saw that happening? Would you take your camera out? I'd, I'd go for the selfie right away. I think you sort of yeah. have to. I, I, I mean, I, I'd be probably starstruck, sort of mind blown, more shocked, so to speak. Think, is that really Hideki Matsuyama walking down? He won the Masters 14 hours ago, and now he's in the airport. Uh, it, it'd be pretty crazy for sure. Adam would put his arm, Bob, around uh, uh, any one of those players, put his arm up in the air for the selfie and whisper in their ear, this must be a pretty big deal to take your photo with a guy who hits it as far as I do. It's <laughs> <laughs> likely how that goes down. Uh, all right, guys, on the other side, predictions for 2022. And in a previous show, I asked you what your personal highlight was for the year of 21 in golf. I want to know what your goal is for personally for the year of golf in 2022. We'll do it on the other side. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cadillac. Springtime is a lot like a Cadillac, spirited, vibrant, and you definitely know when it arrives. Put a little spring in your drive with the Cadillac XT4, XT5, or XT6. Visit Cadillac.ca. Your Cadillac is waiting. Cadillac, never stop arriving. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Welcome back to Golf Talk Canada as we put a bow on our year in review master's edition special and we love doing predictions for the upcoming year so let's jump right in. Adam, uh, get out your crystal ball. Uh, give us some predictions, some bold predictions for 2022. Okay, you know me and bold predictions. So here we go. So 2022, I say Brooke Henderson wins again in Canada. I think Ooh. she gets back on uh, on winning on Canadian soil once again. Speaking of Team Canada, I say there are two members of Team Canada on the International Presidents Cup team. I really like that. I think, That's not bold. Um, <laughs> I, I think a male Canadian will be in the final group of a major once again. Hopefully, we see a victory. Not going there just yet, but I think we'll see a male in a final group. I say Rory McIlroy completes the career Grand Slam in April. Is this finally his time? I think Bryson DeChambeau will get back in the major winner's circle. And lastly, Tiger Woods at some point will play on the PGA Tour in 2022. Maybe that's not so bold after the recent video that was posted, but I think he will play on the PGA Tour this coming season. Bob, predictions, uh, any of those you agree with that you had in your list or uh, just a bunch of new ones? I got some crossover with Scully. I had some, I had some similar ones with, uh, with Adam there. I certainly... I think Tiger Woods will make an appearance and tee it up at a PGA Tour event. I'm not sure when or where that will be. Um, I think Brooke Henderson will win. I don't think it'll be in Canada, though, but I do think it'll be a major championship. And I think the reason that'll happen is because I think Brooke will finally take some short game lessons from someone not her, who's not her father. That's another prediction for me. I think there will be a Canadian major winner on the men's side next year wow. i'm going to go out on a limb and say that one of those canadians will do something special uh i agreed with adam i think there'll be two canadians on the president's cup team and that's almost a layup right now like a it's like it's like a two-foot putt uphill with no break 
at this point as we're looking at this at the standings. I think Dustin Johnson will be back in the winner's circle more than once next year. And I do think Rory McIlroy will win a major. I don't know which one it'll be, but I do think he will win a major. Um, that's about all I had. That hasn't been said already. Well, I'm with Tiger with you guys. I think he pegs it up somewhere. I don't know where. I don't know when. Maybe Augusta. Who knows? I don't know. Maybe that's too early. But I do think we see a Tiger appearance. I'm with you there. I also had two Canadians on the international team, I think, uh, definitely trending that way and really uh, getting set for the next time around in Montreal as well, where I think we're going to see a lot of red and white. I've got Brooke for a major as well, Bob, uh, down. I think uh, number two is overdue, and I think it happens because of a commitment to inside 100 yards to Bob's uh, point. I, I agree on all those. I got a couple of new ones here. Ooh. Phil Mickelson wins on the PGA Tour in 2022. Uh, not going to be a major. We're not going to see a career grand slam out of Phil. We're not going to see him win on a ballpark uh, that scratches your head like it maybe Kiowa was. But at some weird event, maybe golf in a dome in a desert or someplace where Phil's had, uh, uh, I'm just going to say success in the past, I think he will find success again. Why do you ask? Well, would it be the first time where people found success on the Champions Tour, got that taste of winning again, and then all of a sudden it translated to success again late uh, in their life on the PGA Tour. Winning breeds winning. Watch out for Phil. Uh, he grabs one. I, I, I like that one uh, as well. I'm going to say no career Grand Slams. Guys, I don't think anybody gets it done. I think the closest you see to a career Grand Slam, I'm going to lean on it again. I say Colin Morikawa is your Masters champion, and he threatens in L.A. He doesn't win in L.A., but he threatens in L.A., and he becomes the closest to complete a career Grand Slam, really taking the storyline away from Spieth, Rory, and Phil. Okay, let's go with golf goals. Only a couple of minutes left in today's show. Golf goals for the year. Adam, what are your goals, personal golf goals for 2022? Well, a couple of years ago, I got down to a 0.3 handicap index. I want to get back down there. But more importantly, I want to get back in the major circle with Mama Skull. We uh, didn't quite get there in the parent-child this year. The major championship came up a little short. Somebody, me, struggled on the putting green. Hopefully this coming year, we can get back in the winners. Bob, golf goals for 2022. Uh, my goal next year is to have more rounds in the seventies and the nineties <laughs> next year. And, uh, I am my, my other goal is to, uh, have a committed golf lesson plan and I'm going to practice more on my short game than my lawn game next year, because that's where it needs to go. And I will predict that at 90 years old, I'll hand ride my father around to the father-son championship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, for me, guys, uh, I will continue my goal of 21 where it wasn't a revolving door of putters. I played the entire season with the same putting stroke and the same putter. That was my achievement for the year, but I hope that continues. In terms of new goals, I got two new goals. I don't want to get shorter. I'm not saying I'm going to get longer. I'm not going to say I'm going to chase a bunch of speed, but uh, I'm going to turn 47 in April. And my goal over the next few years is to just not get shorter. Okay. So that's a goal. And my other goal, and I think this is going to really happen and be achievable because I got to go to Washington and play in the member guest at congressional with my best friend. And the three of us are going with our friends uh, at TaylorMade to Carlsbad in a couple of weeks 
So one of my goals this is all very positive. One of my goals for 2022 is to start traveling for golf again. Mm. I want to, uh, you know, get to Ireland, uh, Southwest Ireland. We were supposed to go the last couple of years. Couldn't go. I know Adam, you're supposed to go to Pebble beach. You're on your way to Spain next week with TJ mm. rule golf way tours. I said, the three of us are on our way to Carlsbad. Maybe the three of us get to Augusta one day together. I know odds are I'll be back in the studio Thursday through Sunday at the master's desk. Bob will likely be on location, but maybe the three of us get to get the, uh, there on a practice round or something in Tuesday. To, if we could just start traveling for golf again, that would be a huge win for me in 2022. All right, boys. Always a pleasure as always. We're not going anywhere. Mondays, we are doing radio throughout the win winter. February 7th, Golf Talk Canada returns for season 12. Later the in the month of February, we, we return for another season of TV. I think it's like seven or eight or something like that. A full TV schedule. We don't go anywhere. And 20 weeks of TaylorMade back in 2022. Bigger, better, badder than ever. Remember, first good decision on the golf course, it always starts in the closet. Thank you for listening. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the all-new ZG21. Lightweight with zero compromise. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network.